Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Common Sense Show, where the show that's freeing America, one, enslaved mind at a time. And, and we absolutely need your help and getting the word out on critical issues like what we're going to talk about today. A lot of times we spend time on the economy, geopolitics, and just downright corruption. But today we're going to look at uh, America's shortcomings from more of a psychosocial perspective. As you know, I have a background in mental health that's in counseling for a while, and this is a subject that's near and dear to my heart, and we have a terrific guest for us today, uh, Joanna Harabedian, and she has, well, let's put it this way, she's specializing in helping people. And really, I think these problems have been exacerbated with relationship issues. The divorce rate is skyrocketing. Suicide rates are at all-time high in certain regions of the country. And we have all kinds of adjustment issues, that, are, and plus the economy and the economic stresses that enter into marriage. Uh, we're not doing very well, and a lot of people aren't marrying today. In fact, a lot of people, uh, from what I've seen, aren't even dating. And I'm talking about young adults where this should be uh, something that's near and dear to their heart. Many of them have forsaken relationships, particularly, like I said, the 20 to 30-year-old crowd and uh, marriages that are producing children uh, are all-time low. Our birth rate is plummeting. And it all ties together into some of the issues here that our uh, guest and she uh, has, has covered and she's written a book called Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men. And you can uh, see that on the screen there. And that's, uh, I'll tell you, Joanne, I want to welcome you to the show because this is such an important topic. And before I got banned over on YouTube, whenever I would talk about these issues, the very issues we're going to talk about, they used to take those videos down. I don't know why they have a problem with me talking about birth rates, and divorce, marriage, suicide, mental health issues, but they didn't like it. And, and eventually, without a strike, they canceled my, my show because I was on the wrong side of the tracks because our program's decidedly Christian and they don't like that. Anyway, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And we're coming up on Valentine's Day and this is when the show is airing. And I think it's so appropriate here. And you've got your book coming out on Valentine's Day, and we'll get to that. But I want you to just tell a little bit about what motivated you to get into this area and talk about these important issues and begin to conduct relationship seminars and so forth. Tell us about that. We you know, first of all, thank you for having me on the show, David. It's, Our pleasure. it's an honor to be here. It's really an honor. I love your work. And I love your slogan, Free America, a, a One Enslaved Mind at a Time. And in response to your question, I want to I add to that. 
free and heal America one heart at a time. Thank you. Yes. You really touched on this in the intro because we have seen an all-time high right now of trauma. For the last several years, we've been through job loss. We've been through, we've lost Mm -hmm. our loved ones. We've lost our friends. We have a loss of our rights, you know, all these things that have added trauma. And like you said, marriages have been in decline and disarray. And so I, I've been through the university of ouch, that hurt. Now what? (laughs) And that's part of what has motivated me. And my husband, Dave and I, we have a ministry as well. And we minister all over the U S and we have had such an overwhelm of requests from people who are feeling lonely. Their marriages is no longer there. They're divorced. They're going through a divorce or they lost a spouse. There's a host of things. And I was previously married um, in my first marriage. And for the purposes of teaching, we'll call him Mr. Wrong. We'll go cliche. Uh, we'll call him Mr. Wrong, Mr. Potential, Mr. Right. Uh, Cause it's just easier to understand. But I initially married Mr. Wrong thinking he was Mr. Right. I met him at church. Uh, we did not um, have sex before marriage. And we I thought we did everything the right way. But it turns out I married a, a Jekyll and Hyde and a very broken person. And the day after we got married, he told me he didn't love me. And that was the beginning. Yeah, that was crazy. It was it was a very painful, crazy time. And I and I talk about this in the book. And The reason I wrote this is because I made all the mistakes in this book, the motivations, the hard attitudes, not knowing that I was doing that. And as I came into awareness, as I I had an ugly cry moment with God, I asked God to hold up a mirror to my face and show me how I ended up in this mess with with Mr. Wrong. Now I'm divorced. I'm broken. My dreams are shattered. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. And so I cried out. I said, God, how did I end up in this mess? I thought you told me to marry this guy. I thought this was, you know, from you and it clearly wasn't. So hold up a mirror to my face. And Dave, that moment was pivotal in my walk with God and in my life because the Lord began to open up this realm of the inner dealings of my heart. And in my first chapter, I address this, which I call Wiffum syndrome. What's in it for me? Because see, oftentimes when we've been through trauma and or we've been through things or depending on how we've grown up, depending on our upbringing, you know, we, we can have develop a, a heart that's very needy and is, can be rooted out of selfishness. And we don't realize that we're, we're being selfish, mm-hmm. but, but we are. And um, so, for example, when I got married um, to Mr. Wrong the first time, as God began to unveil the core issues within me, because I could have blamed him for everything. You know, I could have blamed him for being the abuse and all these other things that occurred in the marriage. But I had to look at myself also. What was my part? And I had to take responsibility and I was willing to do that. And so as the Lord began to take me down this road and show me this, he showed me my true motivation for getting married. One of them was the WIFM. I was looking to Mr. Wrong to fulfill my needs. And it was all about me, what, how he was going to help me launch my ministry, how I was going to be secure. I wanted to be called a wife. I wanted to be married. Now there's nothing wrong with those things, but the intention of my heart wasn't a servant heart. How can I help make his life better? How can we do this together? It was all about me, what I needed. 
And so I got into the marriage with the Wifam, not realizing that's what I was doing. And this is one of the first things that I address in the book, because how often, you know, do we women say, oh, I just want a man to rescue me. I just want, I just want my knight in shining armor. I, I, I want him to take care of me. And, um, and I had that attitude. I had that inner heart motivation. And so I understand what it feels like to be lonely at night. I understand what it feels like to also be married and feel like you're a million miles apart from your husband and there's no connect there. I understand what it's like to be single because I thought, Oh, after I'm, you know, after I went through my healing from the divorce, then I was ready to explore relationship again and, and possible marriage. But then the unexpected happened and I was single for five years then it became eight years, then it became 10 years, you know, and as time ticked on, I started to battle, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I track the right guy? What's happening? And so then the Lord began to uncover all these other things that I cover in seven mistakes. And so as I became aware, and as I started walking through my healing journey of transformation on the inside, I began to realize how many women, my friends, counterparts, women I'd meet on the journey, they had the same mistakes that they were doing that I was doing that I was now aware of. And so I wrote this book to help you women, my sisters, not make those mistakes, recognize what you might be doing so that you can attract an amazing man of God that God does have for you. It was funny. My, uh, my friends who were praying for me for a very long time, because I was single and celibate for almost two decades and, uh, you know, they kind of got to this place where they're like, ah, I really don't think the right guy's going to come along, Joanna. And, um, uh, but we, we stood in our, you know, we stood in our truth with the Lord and then God brought David and he truly is my, my perfect match and everything that I have asked God for. But if I hadn't become the woman I needed to be to attract him, then he would not have been attracted to me. And I would have still been in that single cycle. Yeah, that's, that's quite a journey, but it's not uncommon because we're seeing so much of this. Um, you, you talked about you wrote this book for women, but I know that we live in a universe of duality. So when we flip that coin over to the other side, what would men gain from looking at this book and, 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 and investing in your seminars? Well, that's a great question. Here's what's really been interesting with this book, because I initially wrote it for women. But as I've been, you know, interviewing men as part of my research for the book and and talking, hearing different stories from men, they've actually been receiving healing. Because a lot of times what happens, if you look at what the media does, the media stereotypes men and men have really been emasculated. And every man has an inner, inner superhero within him. And, but what's happened is his inner superhero gets deactivated and it gets deactivated by women. It gets deactivated by this, the, by the media, you know, in all these different ways. So now you have these men who are a shell of what they're truly called to be. And so if, if you're a man and, and you've been, been emasculated, I really feel like you're going to feel a healing from this because this is how the guys that we have interviewed have responded. Like, for example, um, we have a friend in, in the television industry business and we were sharing about the book and the principles. And I shared with him 
one of the areas that women struggle with this, I would say this is like top two, top three is the ability to receive a compliment. And so, because for different reasons, they, they don't feel worthy inside. They don't feel like they deserve it. I was that woman. I would reject every compliment that somebody gave me. Oh no, this old thing, you know, I bought this at the thrift store or, and then I would immediately say, Oh, but I love your blouse. Your blouse looks so pretty. But what happens is when a, when a guy gives a woman a compliment, he's really giving her a gift and the gift, I would equate it to like a bouquet of flowers. God gave me this vision and showed me what I was doing and how I was making people feel by rejecting their compliment. And I'm going to tie this back to what happens with men. And um, so in this vision, I was creating this beautiful bouquet of flowers. It was like a heavenly bouquet of flowers for my dear, one of my dear friends. And I put so much thought into this gift, the color she loves, the fragrances of the flowers. And it was absolutely stunning. So I present to her this gift and I say, here, this is for you. She looks at the gift and she scowls <laughs> and she slaps me in the face with this bouquet of flowers and the petals fly everywhere. And I, and I feel like, <gasps> and then I feel angry and then I feel rejected. Well, this is how we make a man feel when he gives us the gift of the compliment, that compliment represents that bouquet of flowers. And what do we do? Oh, you look, you look pretty today. No, I don't. I look fat is how a lot of women respond. That's how I used to respond. Oh, no, you're just saying that you want something. So when we were talking with our friend, I was sharing this principle with him and he said, yeah, he says, I understand because I, I bought some really pretty lingerie for, for my wife and I wanted to bless her and honor her with it. But when she saw it, she, she accused me of having an ulterior motive and didn't want it and threw it, gave it back to me. And so in my book, I addressed this because what did she just do? She just emasculated him by one, rejecting him, two, not thanking him for the time that he took to go to the store to buy lingerie. And also she's saying, Well, I'm not attracted to you, so go sleep with another woman. That's essentially the messaging. Now, obviously, he's not going to do that, but a lot of guys do because they're consistently rejected over and over. But what's the root? The root is she wasn't able to receive, and that was me. I wasn't able to receive. I was talking, David and I were talking this, my husband, and he told me when during his single days, you know, several decades ago, he would, he dated a lot of women. He was in that lifestyle. And he said it was the number one thing that women did was reject his compliment. He said it was very rare. He had maybe two or three women in that journey of singleness that actually said, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's, I'll tell you, you're really hitting on something here too. And I want to back up to what you said earlier about the emasculation of men. Yeah, I look at the media um, and and their approach to uh, being masculine, being manly. They talk to call it toxic masculinity, and the media really conditions men not to be masculine. And I think it conditions some women to make fun of men's masculinity. And, and there was the, the, they're derisive about their comments with it, and and that cuts to the core of what a man is. In much the same way, when a man doesn't uh, lift a woman up in praise for how she looks, how she cares for him, uh, it, it, there really are corrosive factors to a relationship. Mm-hmm. They do. They they de- deteriorate the fabric of of the relationship, and that's this is one of the ways the enemy has used to attack 
a marriage. You know, so when David compliments me, I, I tell him, wow, thank you, honey. And I receive that. Wow, that's so kind of you. You know, I affirm. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here. And we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches it's a 50-year warranty on the device it only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping and i'll tell you this is the way to hide your gold not in false walls but underground will be very very difficult to detect to find out more Go to BarrierGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time the common sense show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow for example they've got half off my pillow bed sheets more than half off their slippers their sandals their mattresses their topper covers women's lingerie now, they have extremely great products as you all know Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to MyPillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. MyPillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Him, And I also affirm his masculinity. You know, I'll say, wow, you look sexy in, in that t-shirt. And, yeah, because, see, men have to be lifted up like that. And I'm not saying that to be coy. I'm not saying it to manipulate. I'm saying it because I truly want to affirm him. And that's how I draw the inner superhero in him. You know, here, here's what's funny. When um, David and I were in our friendship stage before we went into the courtship, because when we first met, I didn't know this was my future husband. I, I asked him a question and, and he's a type A personality. He's very charismatic, you know, gifts and of the spirit flow through him, powerful ways. I said, well, what do you like to do for fun, David? And there was silence on the other end of the phone. He couldn't answer that question. 
And I stumped him. I was the first person that stumped him like this, but it was, you know, it was just a question. And so he, he thought about it and he realized that he, he was so focused on ministry. He was so focused on work. He was focusing on doing, you know, a superhero activities for God that he also, but he forgot to have that component of having fun. So in our marriage, I've been able to draw that out in him. And I've been able to help him, you know, be funny and, and he's, he is funny, but just to kind of draw that out to, to be more playful and, and to be able to enjoy himself and not be so intense. And that's what partnership does. We draw that out, but that's been lost in, in this, this attack against marriage and relationship. And so that diminishes and deactivates that superhero in the guy. And so. In the game of chess, you have the queen and the king. Now, what's interesting in the game of chess is the queen's role is to protect the heart of the man. And this is the other thing that I've seen that has been, that has diminished with all of this trauma that we've had over the last couple of years with COVID and, you know, lockdowns and losing rights and all these things and the media stereotyping. But she has lost that heart to protect the heart of her man. And the king, I mean, the queen, rules the board. She has the authority to, to remove the opponents and this, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. of the game. Mm -hmm. And so as a woman, we have that we, we need to become king makers, not man breakers. Men have been broken and women have been broken, but particularly in this season of life, men have been more broken than usual by the enemy through these things that we've talked about. And so I talk about in my book to get back to becoming a kingmaker. What, how do you become a kingmaker? What kind of things do you do to draw out the king? And vice versa, men are called to be queen makers, not women breakers. And I am coming about uh, with a book for men as well that's being written right now. Okay. But, but that's what we have to get back to is becoming a kingmaker and a queen maker. Yeah. And I think underscoring that is what, uh, uh, scripture talks about with regard to, uh, lifting up your partner being there mm-hmm. for them. I mean, I love the analogy in the Bible that, you know, marriage is like Christ in the church and Christ gave his life for the church. And, and that's a real strong message to men, but along what you're saying, you're right. The church has to be willing to receive the message. Uh, and that means the compliments and the issues you mentioned before. Um, and, and so from reading some of the stuff that you've done, um, I think we share something in common. Uh, this show is decidedly Christian. So can you talk a little bit about the spiritual values that enter into uh, your work and what you do with couples and so forth in your seminars? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That That's the key right there is we, we, God can heal anything. I He is the ultimate psychologist, psychiatrist, anything. And one of the biggest things is we have to be willing to look at ourselves and we have to stop the blame game. Cause this is a, this is one of the biggest lessons that I had to learn is cause I blamed my Mr. Wrong, my ex husband for everything. Everything was his fault. Now, yes, he did some very ugly things, but I also had to look at my part. And, and what happens when you're in a relationship and you're, you're butting heads, you're fighting you, what's happened is you have now a spiritual wall and then you're looking at that person as if they're your enemy. And when you talk to that person, it's, it's an accusatory tone. Well, you did this and and you did that. And you hurt me 20 years ago and I'm not going to forget it. You know, whatever that is, 
But see, right here, you have several components in play. One, accusation. Two, unwillingness to forgive. Three, unwillingness to take responsibility. But see, if we can get to that place where we give ourselves permission to change our mind and allow the Holy Spirit to come in, because the Bible says what? To love and honor one another. And it's the enemy's tactic comes in with causing you to see your partner as the enemy. And we lose the heart of learning, of understanding how to have a crucial conversation. You know, I went through training on how to have a crucial conversation. And the biggest, the biggest point in that training is coming to the table of a difficult conversation with the intention of restoration, with the intention to honor that person and with the, um, expectation that you're not assuming that they purposely did this because it's easy to fall in the trap of assuming you did this. And I'll give you a simple example of this. When David and I were dating, he was on the phone, he would get these ministry calls and a, a couple of times he left me on the eternal hold. And so I, I had two choices on how I could handle that. Now I, I was irritated because I thought, we well, just let me know you, you have another call and I'm fine with that. So I prayed and I let God handle my irritation. And then I came back to him and I said, you know, David, I know you would never intentionally dishonor or disrespect me. And can you, can I ask you a favor? Yeah. Next time you're on a call and you have to go and we're talking, just, can you just let me know this way? I know you have to take the other call and I'm not waiting. And my time is valuable too. And I'm not waiting for you to get back on the phone. Oh, sure. No problem. See, but had I gone to David from the perspective of attacking him, you know, you were so rude. You left me on hold for 10 minutes. I can't believe you did that. You see the difference? Yeah. All the the research on relationships talks about condemnation is so corrosive and destructive to a relationship. Uh, And what you did there is you dealt with the issue and left the person out. In other words, here's Mm -hmm. the issue between us instead of it's you it's the issue. And that is, that's at a cornerstone of marriage and family therapy, by the way. That's, uh, that's, that's very, very insightful. But what I also see in relationships is it's not just the interpersonal dynamics, but there are so many pressures on couples today yes. that, that have intensified. I don't think they're necessarily new, but they've greatly intensified in their volume and their effects. Can you address a couple of those that are negatively impacting our relationships and perhaps how some couples might want to look at dealing with them? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So one of the, the things that I, I, David and I do personally is when we have a lot of pressure, you know, cause we we're in ministry. We're also in the marketplace. We, we travel, we minister uh, different places and there are days when the pressure is overwhelming. And sometimes one of us might feel be our, our fuse is, is on the short end and we can have a snarky tone, irritated tone, frustrated tone, and then that can be misinterpreted. And so, one of the things that we do is we ask each other, you know, if, if I need to have a conversation with him, I'll say, Hey, where are you at on your receiving scale right now to have a conversation? I'm not right now. Okay. No problem. How can, and then what I do is I, I know that he's stressed out. I know he's under pressure. He's had a hard day. So I'll say, you know what? Have a seat. Let me, let me rub your feet. And so we've gotten to that place. And that is what I would recommend as, as something that a, that you couples can do right now is have a conversation and say, okay, let me know when you've had a bad day. I'm going to ask you, 
Where are you at on a scale of one to 10 on your stress level from the day to day? I'm at a 10. Okay, here, let me serve you. Then as that happens, now what you're doing is you're pouring into their heart. You're, you're affirming where they're at right now. You're meeting their needs. And see, that is how we can rebuild connect, love connection yeah. is by those simple little things like that. And, and so knowing and understanding where your partner is at mentally or emotionally from the day plays a big part. And, you know, maybe mom's been at home. She's had a terrible time with the kids and, and she's been frazzled and they've been acting out and the house is a mess. And, you know, there's been the dog threw up on them, the cat, you know, got run over or whatever it is. So she's had a level 10 stress day. So men, you know, what you can do is if you can say, you probably can tell by her face, you know, by her hair being frazzled and look at her and just say, Hey, have you had a stressful day? And she'll be, ah, and then just hug her and just hold her. And, and that is going to melt a woman and, 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 you know, noticing when your husband is stressed, offering to rub his feet here, let me give you a quick back massage. I'm sorry. You had a stressful day. Those little things. My husband talks about how little keys unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. So it's those little keys that will begin to unlock. Well, let's say you guys have been fighting. Let's say the couple has been fighting and they don't want to be nice to each other. That's where, you know, the scripture talks about laying your life down. Sometimes you just have to crucify your flesh and you have to make that first step. Even if you don't feel like it, even if he was a big jerk the night before, there's, re- there's reasons that he was acting out that way. So we have to come into that place of a different perspective, an understanding and say, oh, you know what? He's acting out. Maybe he's stressed. So we have to t- be willing to take that step to initiate an act of love, act of service when we don't even feel like it, because that will break the walls. That right there will break the walls. One of the things you just mentioned there is implicit in what you just said is that the partner doesn't have to fix the problem. They have to be there for the person. Uh, and, and, and sometimes trying to fix the problem exacerbates the stress that's already there. Exactly. And a lot of couples I've seen in therapy absolutely had to learn that lesson. Just be there for them. They'll bring it to you when they're ready to bring it to you. Exactly. You know, and one of the things I used to do is I, I used to ask, um, you know, my ex-husband, are you mad at me? You know, what are you thinking right now? Well, why does your, why do you look like this? You know, what's going on? But see, I was coming out of a place of fear. And so when, when we have a seed of fear, a core of fear, we have a spirit of fear attached to us, it manifests in different ways. And that is a great way to drive away your man when he needs to be in the man cave and he needs to think about solutions for the problems for his business, you know, for the company, what's going on, whether it's the ministry, he needs to be able to have that. So the look on his face doesn't have anything to do with you. It just has to do with what is going on within him that he's got all these things on his mind. And so as, as women, when we can get into that place where we're not operating in that spirit of fear and insecurity and be able to recognize, see, that's the thing. If we can't, if we're not aware and recognize, we don't know what needs to change. So I ask the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I ask that you show me what I need to change in myself today. Highlight to me at whatever area I need to look at within myself. And he does. That's, that's what makes him the grace therapist or Lord, show me how to, what does David need right now? He's, he's been edgy and what, what, how do I handle this? 
And so we have to invite the Holy Spirit, but we also have to be able to crucify our flesh and recognize when we're in fear, recognize when we're in stress or we're feeling insecure. And then we have to be willing to go a little bit deeper. And the Lord is the one that will take you deeper. And, and then he'll begin to uncover some other things that have nothing to do with, with your spouse. It's, it's about you and a deeper well that God wants to heal inside. Exactly. Well, there's an age component to this, too, that I wanted to address. And in fact, in some of the stats that you like to quote, you, you really talk about the, the age factor. But economics really ends or enters into exacerbating the problems in a relationship. And particularly the younger the relationship, the more severe it is. What would you say to, to young couples about finances and so forth and how it can affect their relationship and more importantly, how they can deal with it? I think that's a great question. I think coming in together as a partnership, because finances is stressful. That's, you know, one of the largest components of why, you know, marriages end up in divorce. And so I think it's important that, you know, you're a young couple, you're, you're newlyweds, you're learning each other, you're learning how to read each other. And then when it comes into finances, you have to have a conversation about how you're going to partner together. Finances are hard. Okay, how are we going to team up together with our skill sets and not put the expectation on just one person and not just expect that that your husband's going to bring in the money, but you also have a skill set. So how do you come? It's coming together as a partnership. That's what makes you the dynamic duo. So what can you do together? Okay, I can do this. I can take care of this part of the household. You know, if you have little kids or, or what have you. But see, I think that's one of the areas that young couples miss the mark sometimes because they're, they don't have, they don't set that expectation and that groundwork. We're going to work together. We're going to find the solution. And then you bring God into it. Mm-hmm. But instead, one harbors might harbor all the pressure and the other one has the expectation that, you know, you're, you need to meet this and you need to meet my needs as well and everything else. And that compounds the stress level on top of the financial stress level. In your work, and this kind of leads into this question here in your work, is there a component for couples helping couples? And let me tell you what underlies my question here. When I, I used to teach college social psych research and stat, and in sociology, Amitai Etzioni, the basically thought to be the founder of modern sociology, said, the family can exist without the state, but the state can't exist without the family. Mm-hmm. And so my takeaway from that was it's really up to all of us to help each other in our relationships. Right. Can you address it, that? Yeah, I, I think that's that's really key. We encourage couples, you got you have to have community because without community and support, we're designed to be in community. We're designed to be in fellowship and it's really easy to get isolated, you know, especially as a young couple. And now you have kids, you have a baby or what have you. And so we encourage couples to, to build community, to find your, your niche. Now, sometimes that might take a while, you know, especially if you're in a new town, what do you do? You don't have any friends, you don't have any help, you know? And so it, it can be a challenge, but as you begin to seek that and you begin to explore that together and you actively have to find that it's some, it's not just going to come to you. It's not going to be dropped on your doorstep. And so, but, so we have to actively look for that. Mm-hmm. Now, part of our platform, uh, we have a virtualchurchmedia.com and we have teaching on that. We have, we, we offer that, that 
opportunity for people to expand, to grow, and to be nurtured. But it's also important we have to take responsibility and also then make that effort. And sometimes it's hard, but we have to do it because without that community, you get isolated. And then that, that's how, you know, the enemy can come in and turn you against each other. I think it's very important. Yeah, and, and really our society works against that. And, and I learned this very early as an undergrad from a very insightful professor. We're so mobile as a society that young couples lose the support mechanisms necessary to help them deal with issues from more experienced family members who could intervene. But they, if they move to Pittsburgh and they're from Dallas, I mean, that's a tough, that's a tough road for a young couple to deal with. Uh, oh, it really is. It's, it's very tough. And, that's where, you know, it's, that's where it's also going to be very vital, I think, for them to be able to have that groundwork of connection with each other and be, learn how to build that and understand that and, and, and seek the tools out to do that and then expand from there and, and begin to reach out. But we have to look for it, you know, like, you know, when David and I, um, you know, he moved to California, so he didn't have any friends here in Cal, it, we were living in California. That's where I'm originally from. And he was, he's from Missouri. And when we got married, we moved to California, but you know, I had friends, I had my circle there in California, but he didn't. So he had to work to build that circle of of male companionship and friends as when he moved to California. So, you know, and those things can take time and, but with prayer, God can, we can pray and ask for it, say, Lord, bring us the right people, bring us the right counselors, bring us the right friends. And as we trust in God, God will bring that. See, that's the God factor. And God can bring in, in an instant, Absolutely. he can bring yes. a friend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, one of the churches are taking a lot of criticism and some of it's justified, but one of the things that modern churches are doing very well are the small groups that they encourage, particularly in the larger churches, because that can form the support community that people may lack if they don't have family or friends they grew up with to support them. Uh, and I, and I'm really glad to hear you say that. There are two, uh, critical junctures though in a relationship. One is, the birth of the first child, and then the empty nest syndrome. Uh, I'm sure you address these things in your work. Can you, can you talk about that for our audience? Yes. Well, you know, and, and that, in my opinion, boils down to identity. Because when you have the, nest, the empty nest syndrome, you've played the role of a mom. You've been the wife, and maybe now you're grandma, or you're an, you're an auntie, or you're great grandma, or whatever. And when you when you first get married and you have a baby, you have kids, that's your role. You're now mom. You're the caretaker. That becomes your identity. And, and that can get wrapped up. And a lot, oftentimes, you know, we lose who we are at the core. We're not just a wife. We're, we're not just the mom. We're not just the grandma. We're not just the auntie. We are the, the woman of God that he has gifted with incredible gifts. I akin it to a diamond. Isaiah 62 verse three says, um, You are a crown of beauty in the hand of Yahweh. You are a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And so when we get caught up in this, these pseudo identities, we for, we can forget, or maybe we haven't even known who we are as a crown in the hand of Yahweh, that we are a diadem in the hand of our God. And so in that case, it's really important now to begin to explore, who am I? What, what, 
what what is you know i yes i'm here i was a mom yes i'm here as a wife yes but really finding that that who you are is in a beauty in this eyes of yahweh in the eyes of of jesus and get back to to that place of who you were created to be to shine like a diamond every every person is is designed to shine like a diamond we emanate the facets of god so getting back to that identity i is i think it's very important Mm-hmm. Yeah, the identity is the issue because when you're no longer the dad and the mom and the kids have left home, you know, that can leave a void where all of a sudden the couple are used to, oh, we had the kids in the middle. Now we have to go back to dealing with each other. And sometimes uh, they just find that they've become strangers. They have. And that's where that, if you know, if someone is at that juncture, then it's time to get back to the beginning. It's time to start. Let's date again. Find out who we Absolutely. are. Let's go have some fun. Let's do something that we haven't done. Because see, then now what you're doing is when you're doing something you haven't done together in a long time, now you're having a new experience. Your brain is having a new experience. And as you bring God into it, he can rekindle anything. And it's, it's will it take work sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it takes a lot of work. But you're in covenant. And and when you're willing the, and you got God on your side, God can respark anything. At one of my conference, I had a conference um, the year before last called um, Women of Royalty Conference. And I had three women there who were literally had on the precipice of divorce. One already had the paper signed by her attorney and she was going to hand her husband those papers that weekend when she was going to come back from the conference. Well, God intervened. And miraculously touched her. And I taught on some of these principles. And I, but I also took the women through some layers of deep healing that needed to happen for them. And let me tell you, she came back home. And now this is really funny. My husband changed this weekend. He's so different. Well, it was, she had changed, not her husband, but she had changed her responses to him. She can't change her husband. She can change her responses, which will then yeah. have a different response from him. And so now to this now, she's more in love with her husband than she has ever been in her life, than when she even married him. And she had gotten to that place where she had disdain for him. She couldn't stand him. She didn't want to be around him. And But she was willing to look at herself at the conference, and she was willing and allow, allowed God to deal with her own heart and look at her heart and not what was was he was doing. We each have the side of the coin. Women have one side of the coin. Men have their side of the coin. And we're 100% responsible for our side of the coin. So she took that responsibility. I'm so proud of her. And what's happened now? They're in love. They travel together. They've had, they've talked it out. And she's apologized to him where she has hurt him. And her humbling herself then caused him to say, you know, I'm really sorry for what I did. I was retaliating against you. And so, see, it just starts. That's how it starts. It starts with our heart and being willing and, and to, to make changes and look at ourselves. You know, there's one thing, too, that I wish that everyone did premarital counseling, and I wish there this was one element in it. And it has to do with what I used to teach in developmental psych. And it has to do with the fact that we have a biochemistry to love. There are actual defined stages we go through, you know, the hormone stage, of course, and, 
infatuation and all that. And that romantic part lasts three to four years. And four years is the time we know that most divorces occur because the romance tends to cool. But friendship replaces a big friendship. But then they'll call it the second honeymoon. There's more than the second. It happens about every six or seven years if people stay on the job. In your seminars, do you address some of the the biochemistry that's going on and tell people this is what lies ahead, the road ahead? And yes, the romance comes back, but this gives you an opportunity when it's not there as intense. You can work on your relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. I address it in this way because my my the women's conferences is, is for women, but how I dress it is like this: David and I, when we first met, we weren't attracted to each other. I thought he was a great guy and he thought I was a great person, but there was no spark. And so when I, after I first met him, I came home and I asked the Lord, I said, okay, Lord, who is this guy? You know, is he, is he Mr. Joe Slick? You know, cause I've met a lot of charismatic pastors who their integrity was in question. Um, but, and the Lord sternly said to me, he's my servant. And I went, oh, okay. So um, I, I accepted his friend request that he had sent the year prior and then the Lord told me to start donating to the prison ministry for the Bibles. So I did. And so David didn't know that it was the woman he had met a couple of weeks prior. And he called, you know, thank me for the donation and this and that. And then we got to talking and we then started having a connection in terms of, you know, I'm an intercessor. I pray. And so I said, you know, I'll, I'll pray for your ministry. Now, I did not see him as my husband. I wasn't doing that to try to manipulate, to get close to the handsome, you know, pastor. This is literally how, how can I be interceding for you and praying for you? How can I support your ministry and what you're doing? And so that then became a partnership and a friendship. And we began to get to know each other and we would have long conversations. And then we began to do ministry projects. And then he came to Cal, I was living in California at the time. And then he came and, uh, we, he invited me to come sing at, at this church because I sing in Hebrew, but he didn't know that at the time. So I walk in and the minute that I step my foot through the door. It was like a veil was lifted off of our head and we had a mutual instant spark. And I'm getting somewhere with this. So God allowed us to have that foundation of friendship beforehand of mutual respect, mutual honor, mutual servanthood. It wasn't one-sided. It was an equal give and take. And that actually built a foundation. And so when we had our spark, we went, okay, wow, we're attracted to each other and we were not expecting that. So now how do we proceed? So we decided that if God had not called us to marriage, then we would, we would be friends and we would still do things together, ministry, whatever. We'd mm-hmm. be friends, but God did call us to marriage. And so we have become the perfect hand in glove. And so I say all this to say that you do go through seasons, but if you have a core foundation yes. of mutual honor, mutual respect, mutual servanthood, a mutual meeting of our, of your needs, then when you do come to those, you know, st- stages where the relationship goes through whatever, where maybe it's not as sparky and not as romantic or sexy, but you have that core mm-hmm. and then those things come and go. And see, one of the top reasons for divorce is, is unmet needs and, 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 and infidelity and unmet unrealistic expectations. And why does someone cheat? Is it wrong? Yes, absolutely. It's wrong. But one of the reasons they do is because their needs aren't being met or they're not being validated. They're not being affirmed or what have you. So as when you have those foundational principles in place and you're practicing them, 
then that's going to help when those, you know, the ups and downs come of the relationship of the spark or the no spark. And if a couple is in that place where there's no spark, I don't like you, you don't like me, I'm not attracted to you, you can get back to that. You can. Yes. You know what you're doing? The relationship is a cycle. Like you said, the seasons really becomes more cyclical. And what you just described with you and your husband is a lot of what we see like in arranged marriages where instead of starting with the passion, they start with the friendship, but they end up in the same place. Uh, and they end up going through the same, you know, circular motion. And you described that very, very well. And actually, I, I think what you described to you and your husband is infinitely more healthy because you built a foundation. And, and this is unfortunately what we, what we really have lost in America where we like to jump to the passion before we do the friendship. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that hurts relationships down the road. Uh, that's so well said. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about what people could, uh, how they'd benefit from coming to your seminars and a little bit about your book before we close. Okay, absolutely. Well, one of the key principles that I do in, in our seminars is, is healing. We have to have, God has to bring healing. It's got to be the healing of the heart. Everything is the heart of the matter. You know, um, Proverbs twelve thirteen talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. So once we can get the heart healed, then we can reactivate the dreams. God then can begin restoration and all these things. So one of the key things that we do in our, in our conferences, number one is, is bringing that healing component because without it, you're like Lazarus in the tomb. You're in the tomb and you're covered in the grave clothes. You might be living, but you got the grave clothes on. So we have to take those grave clothes off. So then God can do the surgery on the, take the stone off your heart and then do that surgery. And then for the book, the book is more to give you teach these principles because you see, we've gotten away from these foundation stones, these principles. And as women, we've forgotten how to activate the inner superhero in a guy, how to receive a compliment, how to be a kingmaker. So they're going to learn how to, uh, how to address these things from practical ways, but I also incorporate God into it. And and they're going to see life transformation because they're now creating awareness for what's really on the inside of the heart, they're not even aware of. You know, most of the time we don't realize what we're truly operating in. So my book helps you come into awareness of what, so you can see, oh, wow, I'm doing this. Joanna did this. Wow, she did that too. And that too. Wow, she made all these mistakes. Oh, I actually do some of this. Okay, here, now I, now I have some tools and exercises and practical application on how to change this. Terrific. Uh, your seminar, is it, is it a weekend? Uh, uh, are there repeat engagements couples can come to? Do you do different levels? How does that work? We have different seminars. So um, we're going to be doing a, a women's conference in the fall here in Florida. This one's going to be specific for women. And then we're going to be planning a couples conference because this is a huge need right now. David and I are going to be mm-hmm. focusing more on relationship um, healing and health. And so next year, We'll be having a conference for couples, and that's going to be transformative. But I want to deal with the, the what I feel my calling is for this season is to really help heal the hearts of the women and bring that healing because that's a big component. And then we got to bring healing for the men. We don't want to leave the men out. They are knights of the king of heaven, and they have to be reminded that they are a knight of the king of heaven. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's very biblical as well, too. That's very biblical. Um, your book, how do people get a copy of it? They can go to sevenmistakes.com 
and um, just order the book there. Seven mistakes seven, book. Seven, oh, seven, sorry, seven mistakes Seven mistakes book.com. You can also go to Amazon and the book is called seven mistakes women make that repel good men and how to reverse them. So seven mistakes book.com. You know, I don't know if anyone suggested this to you before. I suspect they have, but, and I want to be complimentary in this because your work undoes undoes a lot of the problems that we see in society that tears marriages apart mm-hmm. and and really my my personal belief is that we're in a spiritual war way before we're in a material war mm-hmm. and and that uh satan is seeking to destroy families so he can destroy nations destroy people and he starts with the family because it's the building block of society and at the family the core of it is the relationship between the man and the woman and uh, your work is so needed because of this because it's the frontline defense against the attacks we're undergoing it it really is and and that's you know i've had this book in my spirit for five years dave and but now is the time and you know so and god had to allow me to go through my personal journey of transformation learn how to become a prayer warrior understand the spiritual dynamics but now people don't have to go through 16 years like i did now you have this quickly because god doesn't people don't you know time is now we don't have 16 years to get healed up we need to be healed now and this you know fast shoots fast tracks that we we are very much in a time i like to call the quickening where we really are tied to, to our relationships that can buffer us from what we're going through and uh, along with you know the spiritual relationship but uh, you, your work is so important and i want to commend you guys for doing this and i would encourage everyone get a copy of this book look at the seminars on the website decide what you can attend because this can help bulletproof your marriage and uh if you have a strong marriage a strong foundation with the lord you can really survive a lot of what's going on right now because we live in unprecedented times. I've been doing this work now for 20 years. I didn't intend to. I was kind of thrown into it because I was a political victim. But I never have seen these kinds of times that are confronting our people. Uh, but at the core of defense is exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah, I meant to that. Well, I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for coming on. Our guest has been Joanna Harabedian. And i got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, please, please, please bulletproof your marriage. This is one way to do it. Thanks, Joanna, for joining us. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you, Dave. Well, America, Dave Hodges here, host of the Common Sense Show, where we're freeing America one enslaved mind at a time. Thank you so much for joining us. And to our friends around the world, we are partners in freedom. We're certainly glad you're here. Always feel free to leave a comment. Your presence is really welcome. And congratulations to the European farmers. God bless all of you for standing up for what's right. Let's see, we live on a planet, but humans living on the planet are a threat. Okay, go figure, right? Anyway, we're here, and we're really glad to be with you. We have a great, great sponsor here. Uh, I'm worried about home security, and let me tell you what I'm doing. I've got night vision, and I've got not just night vision, but night vision binoculars that allow me to see deep into the night, far away, and I can record what I'm seeing. That's right, 4K. Uh, I can take single photos, so if you're an animal enthusiast, an outdoor enthusiast, if you're just concerned about home security, which a lot of us should be, then this is your ticket. Now, most people think that night vision is out of the reach of the average person. It is not, not with this product, 15% off with the coupon code 15OFF. You really want to get yours and get it now. Times are getting tough. 
And you can also double up and have some recreation fun with it. Go to nightwatchpro.com. That's nightwatchpro.com. Coupon code 15 off for 15%. Hey, uh, this is really, really near and dear to my heart. This is uh, a show we're going to do here that really embellishes the uh, spirit of love. Our relationships have never been in bigger trouble, and that's because we're in trouble. Our suicide rates are skyrocketing. Our mental health issues are skyrocketing. They started with the lockdowns and the economic misery and the desolation and isolation of not having normal human contact. And this spreads down to our kids. Kids are meant to socialize. We have more speech pathology than we've ever had before. But really, we have more relationship issues. People aren't even dating, much less getting married. Our birth rate is plummeting. It's 1.6. No nation has ever come back from less than 1.8. The replacement ratio is 2.1 to equal maintaining your population. We're at 1.6. It's about 25% below where we need to be. This is by design. But it's also they're attacking the families, whether you're talking about CRT. Now, I have done an interview that for most of you on most of our media outlets will air right after this presentation. Uh, for some of you, you'll have to go look for it on our media presentations. But we just did an interview with Joanna Harabedian, and she conducts relationship seminars. She's written a best-selling book. Uh, it's a groundbreaking book. We talk all about it there. Um, and she highlights a lot of the issues that men and women have with each other. But I want to focus here on this presentation very quickly, simply on the fact that kids aren't meant from different genders to share the same bathroom. That's sick. It's sick. Women playing in men's sport. I mean, men playing in women's sports, biological males, stripping women of the spirit of competition and success. That's sick. And then we look at also, too, kids having their genitals cut off, before they even reach puberty, beta blockers, puberty blockers. This is terrible. This, this is criminal. This is child abuse. These kids aren't even 18. They can't drink a beer, but they can cut their genitals off like they had the maturity to do it. And then confusing kids' gender and sexual identity way before they're supposed to be able to do it. And then, of course, all the other things that we're doing to people where we emasculate the male in the uh, media and uh, we tell women it's not good to be proud of your beauty. Uh, we just diminish, destroy, degrade the self-esteem of America. It's absolutely pathetic what we are doing, absolutely pathetic. And we need to get back to healthy relationships, courtship, you know, the, the fun of dating, the romance, the engagement period, the planning of the wedding, and then cherishing our children. And it's just absolutely horrible what's going on. And I hope that you do check out our interview there. But anyways, we're at Valentine's Day. For those of you that have managed to capture that beautiful relationship, God bless you. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. I want to thank you very, very much for joining us here on the Common Sense Show. God bless all of you. And I hope you enjoyed the interview I did with Joanna. It's absolutely fantastic. It's one you're going to want to play for your friends. We'll see you back here again next time.
We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts to help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.